for now, okay? Take a, uh, take a picture. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. No, I Look over there, mama. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. So glad uh, that you can join us tonight. Uh, Want to invite us, if we're comfortable, to maybe if we can move a little closer if you're towards the back. We've got some space on the side here and a little bit towards the front. It does mean we can still spread out a bit, but if you're comfortable, we've tried to make this a little more intimate, so if we can create a bit more of a living room, that would be great. There's some nice seats here to lean in and to see each other's faces. That would be that would be great. Thank you for everybody. Appreciate that. Yeah. Welcome to Grow and to Living Waters Church. Uh, I know most of us in the room, but for those of you I don't know, my name's Luke. I'm on our pastoral team, and there's some other members of our team here as well, Dave and Julie, and others, and some members of our council. And we're really uh, pleased that you can join us tonight for our, our Grow session in our track called "We Are Quantlin." And we're joined tonight by a couple of special guests who I'm going to introduce in a moment. Uh, but just a couple of pieces of housekeeping before we do that. For those of you that are unfamiliar with GROW, GROW is simply a learning community, an environment to come together to learn and to share with one another. Uh, we have three tracks in 2021, Jesus and Scripture, the Gospel and Equality, and this track, which is uh, We Are Quantlin. If you're interested in the upcoming traps for the rest of the fall, I can share those dates with you because they're coming together right now. October 25th, our Jesus and Scripture track is continuing. We're going to be joined again by Mr. Rick Watts right over here who's joining us. And on the 29th of November, uh, Katie uh, Duong and Benson Duong, who are part of our, our pastoral community, uh, they are going to be joining us as well. Their topic in gospel equality is going to be coming to grips with the global Jesus. So we're looking forward to those tracks, and if you want more information, you can find that on our website. Uh, but tonight, we are very happy to welcome Luke and Josette. And this is a very special uh, evening for us, because over the last year, 
Luke, we've been sharing this journey together, but this is the first time that Mum is joining us, who is a Kwantlen elder. And so we want to say, first of all, Josette, thank you so much for joining us, and we are very, very honored that you're with us today. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah. Josette's also been joining us on Sundays together, and so it's been a joy to get to be together and to sing and to let all that stuff we do together in community uh, bring healing, and singing is a big part of that, which I'm sure we might talk about uh, tonight. Um, a little bit about what we're going to be doing tonight uh, in GROW, uh, and we are Kwantlen, our listening journey, uh, is to listen to Luke and Josette share, and we have been working through the seven traditional laws of the Kwantlen people, and tonight the law that we are looking at is happiness. Happiness, which is why Luke needed to bring mom. <laughs> and uh, we're excited to talk about that tonight and what happiness means. And on a drizzly September evening, that's a great, that's a great topic, isn't it? Uh, so these two are going to share uh, for about 30, 45 minutes, however long they feel is appropriate to share on, on the topic. And, uh, and then we're going to have a time for questions. And uh, welcome. Come on in. Uh, then we're going to have a time for questions. And that's why we have this mic set up right here. Uh, it's an intimate space, so you might expect that we can hear one another, uh, but we just want to make sure everyone's heard. That's why these two have microphones, and we've set one up here. We're also uh, recording this for podcast, and so uh, when you do ask a question, we're going to ask you, I'll invite you to come and actually share into the microphone, and we can go from there. And uh, as we have said before in this conversation, and Luke, you've said many times, any question is welcome. This is exactly why we're here right? We're here to learn together and sit in this space together, so please don't be afraid to ask a question. We'd love to, we'd love to hear it. Um, I think that is all of the housekeeping that I have, um, but we do want to say, um, Gisette, and thank you so much for joining us again tonight, but we do want to say as we start and hand things over, um, thank you very much for your son. He has been a massive blessing to this community, and um, someone who has been willing to risk and to trust and to build bridges and that uh, says a lot about his character and we know that character is handed down from people who raise children so thank you for the character that you've built in Luke it shines through and he's making a real difference in his community so thank you for for raising a great son yeah you're a wonderful mother thank you you're welcome well over to you too as you share on on happiness yeah Thank you, Luke. So uh, when we think happiness, it's, it's what it comes down to. It's just happiness is our elders. That's it. Have a great night. That's <laughs> it. Okay, thanks for joining us tonight, girl. <laughs> no, we're just so happy that mom is here. Not just at the church, but uh, here at Kwantlen, uh, yeah, happiness is is our elders, because happiness is survival. To say that we're here, we survived. We survived a lot of hardships. COVID's been in the, the least of our worries in regards to survival. Um, I know when we see Mama smile, when we hear Ricky laugh, Auntie laugh, Auntie tell a story, that's our true happiness right there. Uh, 
even though they've been through the most difficult things in life, severe, severe trauma. They've been surviving since she was seven when she went to residential school. So I know they, uh, they have uh, Truth and Reconciliation coming up, with, which is created by the federal government as part of their, um, as part of their uh, calls to action. Um, and just having her here is happiness. Right, Mama? And learning how to love for the first time. That's happiness. I know I'd, I never told you this story, Luke, but uh, about how I was born. I know uh, my brother is 14 years older and my sister is 16 years older than me. And uh, once mom survived residential school, she went to three Indian residential schools. She went to, uh, to Seashelt, uh, St. Mary's, and Cooper Island. Cooper Island was the most violent residential school in Canada uh, out of 133. They call it Canada's Alcatraz because no one could get away. They would try, but it wouldn't work out. Her sister, her older sister Lillian, went to Kamloops. And that didn't go so well. So we've been surviving since, uh, that since we've been going to, since mom and her brothers and sisters and others have been going to residential schools. Then after she survived, she joined the military because there was no, there was nothing here in Fort Langley just a lumber town and a lumber mills, right? There was nothing here, except a lot of alcoholism, a lot of stuff that was, the devil introduced us. Drugs, alcohol, it was all new to us. And we were so sad and traumatized and hurt from not being with our family, being told to be ashamed, being told to uh, cheat, um, being told that we're not gonna be anything in life. And just coming home, it was hard work. So mom, uh, her, her mom had to sign papers for her to join the military. So that used to be a train station in Fort Langley. And that's what they would take the Catesy children and the Quatlin children on September 30th and drop them off to go to residential school. Train, boat, bus. So Truth and Reconciliation calls that the train of tears because we were sad that they had to drop the children off to bring them to residential every September 30th. So that's why we have uh, Truth and Reconciliation. It's gonna look, it looks different in every country. It's gonna look different in every country. 
But once mom joined that, uh, she took the train back, she took the train all the way to, was it Montreal? Took the train to Montreal and met my dad, who was a French Canadian uh, in basic training in St. Jean sur Richelieu, Quebec. Right by the milk machine, right? Yeah. And he said, would you like to dance? And she said, I don't dance with strangers. <laughs> I thought it was yes. I thought it was yes. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one, Danont. Well, he told me his girlfriend's picture was in his wallet. <laughs> so I told him I didn't, I didn't break marriages up. So that's, uh, they traveled the world. Hmm. My mom traveled the world, so she went from, there was nothing here in Fort Langley to uh, being in the, in the Air Force. And so uh, she had left the reserve, um, so she lost her status. And then uh, she became pregnant with my sister. I was 18 months into her career as a, in the armed forces, but there was a lot of male chauvinism then. So she was a native woman living off reserve, uh, having a child with a non-native. So they told her to leave. And she did. So she's not a citizen of Canada and she's not a native. She's just surviving. She lost her status and she lost her citizenship. She wasn't, I think this was just when we were getting ready, when women were getting ready to vote. Probably just around that time in Canada. And um, so they traveled the world and then mom is impacted by the results of residential school. And my father was a Roman Catholic. He was raised by Roman Catholics. So he was impacted by his upbringing, and that brought a lot of hardships on my brother and sister. Because they didn't know better. And then uh, mom decided to get her fallopian tubes tied. And she went to the doctor, and the doctor uh, made her sign a paper saying it's 99% uh, yeah, and one percent chance you can get pregnant. <laughs> I'm part of the one percent. <laughs> she went back to the doctor. I'm going to sue you. <laughs> Just a moment, Josette. Oh yes, you signed this paper says you can't sue me because there's a 1% chance you can get born. <laughs> and there I am. 1978. This is when mom learned to love for the first time. And so I was one of the lucky ones. Mom's one of the lucky ones too. And that's uh, when we, uh, my dad passed away in 2008, 
We were living in Montreal because he was 27 years in the military, right? And back then you were poor as church mice. You see that little mice? You see your, you see your church mice? They're so poor. That was mom and, mom and uh, dad and Tony and Tracy. And <coughs> but once you're 27 years in the military, you can choose whatever career you want. So we left Ottawa and moved to Montreal. That's when they, mom and dad kind of moved out of poverty. And <coughs> we were able to live, you know, like a, a normal life with luxurious items. So, uh, <coughs> yeah, and then mom became a daycare educator in Montreal, right? Working with children, 18 years. My dad became a technical writer. My dad was a technical writer for an airplane engine company. So that's where we get our writing talent from, is from my dad. And my brother is self-taught. Taught himself, he just studied the structure of people he liked to read. He said, I want to be like that. <coughs> I, uh, I got into music. See, I don't know how to play any instruments. I don't know how to read music. I don't know how to write music, but I'm Wayne Nook, the man of sound. It was earned, I earned it, and it was gifted to me from our elders and my hereditary chief, Stakwasan, Chief Marilyn Gabriel. They gifted that name to me, part of a ceremony that was like 20,000 years old. We took part of it. A lot of kids ask me about naming ceremonies or how they can reconnect with their culture because I work in the Langley School District. been doing that for 14 years. And I say, well, it's kind of like a, a wedding. Western culture will call it a wedding. Uh, you want the right name, right? Wayanuk. I'm so happy because I could fit it on soccer jerseys. <laughs> That's all I wanted. Thanks, Adam. I hope we get that on the, the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I know, um, and you want it on the right day. It was my birthday, December 2nd, 2015. So I had the right day. I wanted it in the right place. At our Kwantlen Longhouse. The last time we had a longhouse on our island was 117 years ago. It's a long time. So it was in our longhouse with our ancestors and our spirits. It was beautiful. December 2nd, 2015. And then you want the right food. Kwantlen knows how to cook well, so we had the fresh, freshest sockeye salmon there. It was beautiful. Even Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Good job, Adam. <laughs> or we call it Kwantlen Fried Chicken. Not bad. So I, we had the best food, and we wanted, you want the best music there, right? 
we had our drummers and singers for our winter dance. So we did this during our winter dance. Just like that kind of invitations like that is one in a million. If you get an invite like that, that's be your first and probably last invite ever to something like that. Because it's such a, when people are asking about our culture or wanting to be a part of it, it's such a, it's like a personal experience. That's our healing. That's our ways to rehabilitate or get ready for the spring, for dark times of winter, dark times of Christmas, and all the good work you guys do here. It's hard times for families, and you know it. So that's the winter dance. We use that through drumming and singing and healing and learning how to relive our life again, overcoming violence, anger, drugs, alcohol. Or maybe you're just mourning and want to be with your, f thinking about family members you lost or thinking about members on the island. And you just want to dance for them. So when an elder does those songs and dances during your name and ceremony, that's happiness. To know that we still know that. We still know where, we know where we're from. We know our name and we took our songs back. We took our name back. Our elders are back. Our knowledge is back. That's when I said when COVID was our least of worries. And we were lucky we had zero cases. Zero on that small island. But when I was working in the school district, damn, we had three schools and all the hot spots. because they knew that we were vaccinated first. And no one was showing up. But that, that's when you have trust in leadership. I remember September, the day was probably the day before, it was Labor Day, I was outside, Mom and I were walking down Gabriel Lane and we stopped and talked to Chief Marilyn. Because we walked by her house all the time. And said, so Marilyn, they're sending me back into school. And mom says I should do it. And my bosses say I should do it. And she said, well, this is where you find out who the leaders are and who are not. So if the elders tell me that I need to be there during a pandemic, I'll be there. If it was just me while mom is recovering from her broken hip, I'll be there. And I'll rush home. So, being part of that, knowing where you're from and what your name is, that's what you call like decolonization, destructuring, getting rid of the patriarchy, and just embracing the matriarchy. 
with trust and leadership when she tells me that I need to be at the school because the kids need to see me there. I'll be there. I have skepticism, but zero cases. That's when you really gotta put your faith in the creator too. I know Dave said yesterday at uh, the sermon that he's looking for more servants in our community. I said, no, I'm looking for more tireless runners too. It's the same exact message. Just a little bit different. Servant, tireless runner. Now if you know the work of Christianity, which you do, you're a tireless runner. If you know where you're from and what your name is, you know your songs, you know that elders bring your happiness, you're a tireless runner. You're a servant. We preach the same exact thing. It's exactly the same. We just change the words a little bit. Right? There's always a sense of urgency of people coming to the native community and speaking they don't know this or that or that never happened. There's always a sense of urgency for them to preach to us when we're literally just trying to survive and get home to be with our loved ones. That's what you call a perfect stranger. A perfect stranger. It's all moments that we've been a part of. It's all moments that students have been a part of, and it's very predictable, and we've heard it a thousand times. That's why I said no question can upset us. Right, Mama? We've heard it all. But what we're trying to do is interrupt this language and just change it around. I want to interrupt that process to create our friendship, which is what Living Waters and I and Mom and Kwantlen have been doing, and Yorkson, and the school district, is the exact same teachings. What does that teach you? Inclusivity, welcoming, and authenticity. That's why I'm here. I'm here because this community is authentic. The people here who work here are authentic. And you need to understand that. Our story is exactly the same. People in this room live trauma-informed lives and don't even know it. But we're just here to say that your story is very important and we're here to listen too. And it contains the same significance and value. And that the community on this side of the bridge needs to understand that. Put value, more value, more strength, more love into your elders.
Oh, is that me? I have the same ringtone. <laughs> Freaky. That's okay, I'll let it slide. <laughs> That's all good. So, when mom, mom broke two hips during COVID, and that was all new to us, like our health, our elders' health deteriorating as residential school survivors, it's all new to our community. So we had to learn real quick. Even with our matriarch, Maureen Gabriel, she has like late stage Alzheimer's. And that's all new to us. She's teaching us patience. And our goal is to keep them on Kwantlen forever so that they can never go into a government institution. That's my fear. Makes me scared and makes me sad and angry. So during this time, it was just me and mom. It was hard work, like this time last year. Mom said that we learned uh, while working with uh, universities. I reached out to a bunch of universities, like faculty of nursing, to help us out. After Kamloops 215, a lot of people have been offering their gifts, their knowledge, their strengths to help us, because we need it, and we're desperate. Desperate to survive again. So we can continue to share our love and our friendship. And to say, hey, we're here. And we're happy to be here. Mom said that she felt like a burden. And I would never have thought that. And it broke my heart. Even when you're prepared, or even when you think you're prepared. All the hard work that you do, you think you know it, but you're not even close. Until you hear those words, I'm a, I feel like a burden. It broke. That broke. So you reach out to create. That's where we're desperate for more servants, more tireless runners. But stop sharing this predictable language. It was a great teaching to students, too. for them to make that choice. Um, but to know that mom is so well loved and so well cared for and all her new friends, right mama? She's got so many friends who reach out to help her. Just yesterday, we went after we left Living Waters, we went up to uh, Kilgard to see her sister, Skalowitz, past Skalowitz, to see her sister at a Kilby Cafe. Was it Kilby? 
Kelby, I said Kilgard, Kilby Cafe to eat to see her sister Betty and Lou. They were so relieved for her to walk in. It just shows uh, how proud her family is. Always talking about her being in the Air Force, traveling the world, working hard. That's where I think I get my work ethic is from my mom and my dad. My schedule is jam-packed. I, I say no to more, probably about 60% of people ask me to speak. I don't like the way they ask me. I say no. That just means my price goes up. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them pay my rent for the month. <laughs> <laughs> so good. How you like that, David? For so good. It's so good, everyone here. What a great day. I love it. <laughs> Hope I didn't get you upset, Dave. Just show my love. L O V E. I'm happy. But, yeah, just to see how proud and relieved her family is, and how much she's cared for and loved. And that's beautiful. That's like survival is true happiness. Because people are going to, you might be part of an experiment. I know at, at the schools, kids are calling them challenges. Online challenges, crazy, and they always get, mom says you always get caught, right mama? You cheat, you always get caught. And the principals love a good challenge. <laughs> Takes them 30 minutes to figure it out. They just follow their IP address right to their phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pack up your stuff, you're going home, you're done for the day. So that's when you're faced with a lot of misinformation, your algorithm, your cookies, your phone, and you're stuck on it, they got gotcha. you. It's like the perfect experiment. It's working out perfect. And there's no reason why that people need to die for that. or not believing it. They find that their meaning of survival is something completely else. They're living trauma-informed lives and don't even know it. Probably more traumatized than us. But they feel like they're a burden to their family or to their way of life, to their culture. And they measure forms of happiness in other ways. Usually has to do with money. Desperate for money. When we were at the cafe yesterday, mom said, that's where I used to go to get my mail. My mom would send me to the post office because we we're expecting mail. 
And this man in that building made millions and millions of us. Just like how there's someone here in Fort Langley making millions and millions of us too. But here we are just surviving. We're happy to be here to say that we continue to survive and we will always survive. Our language will always be here. Our name will always be here. Mom will always be here. And for us to walk back into this church as residential school survivors and intergenerational survivors, that's a beautiful day. Not many communities can say that. With authenticity and believe you. Right? Will they believe you? We can tell. It's not, it's not like a checklist. It's not like a photo opportunity. It's definitely not something to post on social media. Just a meaning of survival to say I'm here. I'm here in this beautiful welcoming area. And it feels good that you can honor us that way and we can honor you. It works both ways. Did you want to say anything, Mama? No, I've said everything I wanted to say. Very good. Thank I'm you for welcoming us here. Yeah, we're just very happy. And Mom, I told her I was speaking here Monday night, and she said she wanted to come. She's ready. That's a big step forward. Years and years of patience. Generations. It's a beautiful day, even if it's raining. I, I reached a milestone yesterday. Yeah, how much, how much do you weigh now, Mama? 100 pounds. <laughs> this time last year, she was at 70 pounds. And I finally learned how to listen to my son. <laughs> I, as usual, as a mother, I figure I know everything. See, that's an elder telling you you need to listen. <laughs> Maybe one day you will. Maybe you already are. But that's what Grell is about. That's what reconciliation is about, is listening to stories and honoring them and trying to understand. It's hard to understand this type of trauma. It's so hard. It's hard to understand racism or why you're treated that way. I like what those gentlemen said last night on the stage too, yesterday, with that homeless man. He was waiting for you. He was waiting for you. That's why he came by. He was hurting. And he, I can tell he was so grateful to have you there 
to share those good words and help him heal. He was just literally trying to survive. He was crawling there. He was waiting for you. He was waiting to be seen. And you saw him. And you're helping him. The same way Native people feel. Or people who have no clue where they're from. Or they're so angry, sad, depressed, hurt, looking towards the bottle or the alleyways, the highways, and never coming back. Men are taking advantage of them, taking advantage of the matriarch. I brought some high school kids down to, uh, we started a boys mentorship group called the Warriors Groups, STEM Tamil. And the story that they shared about that man wanting to be seen is a story that our medicine man, our shaman told to us in 2008. When I started this job, he said, look, people are gonna be coming to you looking for answers. We won't have the answers, but we have stories to share. And there, there's Native people who are be waiting to be seen and heard. So here I am, it was on February 14th. If you really wanna decolonize yourself and destructure yourself and honor the matriarch, which is what Kwantlen's about. Go to the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women March every February 14th on East Hastings. 30 years they've been doing that. No one knows who's killing these women. I still can't find that lady. She just lives up the street. What about the 6,000 others? I think that's one thing we need to understand for truth and reconciliation is that if you're gonna take part in this and you wanna experience this in an authentic way, You gotta be angry at what happened, not what how you feel. And not with these stigmas or these stereotypes or why we act that way. Everyone tells us what's wrong with us, but no one tells us why we feel this way. Or that trauma, right? Same with black people, same with LGBTQ+. Everyone tells us what we're doing wrong, But no one tells us, no one listens to our stories about severe trauma. They're just caught up in money, taxes. They're desperate to make millions. So, when I was walking down the street, on Maine and East Hastings, there's these boys who are native, 
and he goes to me and he says, this is where my gr grandfather died, right on this corner, of a drug overdose. I never got to say goodbye to him. In such a public area, he couldn't make it, he couldn't survive. His lungs were filled with fire of the devil. And how do I react to that? I'm not trained. I'm not trained to stuff like that. I don't have an answer to that. But what I did tell him is that No one saw your grandpa, but I see you here in this corner right now, and it's going to be okay. We see you, because that's what our medicine told us, is that there would be native men waiting at the corner, waiting to be seen and heard. Thank God we found out when they're in high school. To survive. And then I walk a half a block later, and there's this another young boy. He says, there's my mom. I said, well, I thought it was like his foster mom came to visit, like be part of our field trip. He said, no, that's my adopt, that's my real mom. And she was on the corner. How do you react to that? And I said, don't worry, we're here, we're all safe. You're here with Sam, you're here with Rick, Brian, we're all here for you. We're gonna walk together. So there's people that are waiting to be seen and waiting to be heard and waiting to tell their story. Even if you give their story, they're gonna feel like a burden. Just like what Mama said, that's what the, our, our elders are teaching us. They get angry about it, but just their mind is flipped from severe trauma. But even Maureen, our matriarch with her late stage Alzheimer's, she'll know that if the nurse that we hired um, with the company is not acting appropriately, or is not paying attention, or is not listening to her, or is like distracted, she'll go up to her and say, it's time for you to leave. She's like, I still got four hours. We don't care, go. You're not wanted here. So what we want is authentic servants. People who wanna be here with mom and heal with her. We want people to understand her story and to know that we're still here. And we're gonna do it through hydration and humor. <laughs> or happy hour. Either or. And that's what's gonna help us get through it and help mom, water is saving mom's life. All the onshore, Maintain, gain weight. What's your favorite flavor? 
chocolate. Because we were so good with our food, we had a Sunday treat. What did you have for your treat yesterday, Mama? Chocolate ice cream. I even bought her a Kit Kat bar. We had a break. <laughs> <laughs> we deserved a break. <laughs> so we had a Kit Kat bar. Man. She had fun with that, eh? That was so good. And I'm just so happy because we haven't done this type of work in a long time. It's been a few years, probably more than that. Thinking maybe Yorkson? I'm not sure. Because we would do work all the time together. So thank you for inviting us and sharing our story and for you to listen. It feels like a beautiful, it's true happiness. Authenticity brings true happiness. That's like one, that's what we call Natsuma, one heart, one mind. I can't teach that to you. I can just tell you what it feels like. That's what it is right now. One heart, one mind. What would you call that in a Christianity teaching? Unity in the spirit. We're desperate for unity. Divided communities. I know uh, I was able to celebrate Canada again this summer. It felt good. That was through the, the matriarch taught us that. The women taught us that. Women we've been following since 80s, 90s, 00s. Women and I would go to all the soccer games experience all their, see their hardship. And it was the woman who brought us back, brought, united us, because we're desperate for it. I don't want to be angry all the time. We don't want to be sad all the time. We want to celebrate and share the laughs. That's what elders bring is the humor, the happiness of survival. Their songs, their dances in the longhouse. You just wish that song never ends. Our elders say we don't drum and sing enough. I would even say that we don't sing enough in here. We need more music. Even if it's sad, I like sad music. <laughs> it's my favorite. We need more music in here to lift us up. Right? Some of the work. Let's make it longer. <laughs> Remember when I told you when people, I was like, we're going we're gonna to do like a marathon, like 12 hours. I don't want you complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you complaining that you're tired. No, we need to preach more. I mean, we need to be unified. <laughs> we are divided. <laughs> but, yeah. But if I sing, everybody would leave the room. Oh, yes, <laughs> including me. I don't sing. I can't carry a tune very far. <laughs> That's true. So I know, yeah, anyone watch that women's soccer, the gold medal? 
what a, I'll never forget that. Mom calls me at 4.25 in the morning. I'm, come and get me, I'm ready. I had to go pick her up, get the car nice and toasty, and drive literally three seconds away. <laughs> I must have spent about five minutes warming up that car for a three-second car ride. <laughs> we get in there, and Fern comes over to our language teacher. She's like a little bit, little bit cranky because it's like five in the morning. And then she's like, so I said, oh yeah, Fern, I got the coffee going. I went out and got these really special Kenyan coffee beans, very special, <laughs> very bourgeoisie because I'm a native hipster. <laughs> I only drink fancy coffee. I'm bougie. That's when you know you made it. When you become bougie, I'm a bougie native. Don't tell anyone. Then she comes in the door, she's like, oh, where are you? It's, it's five in the morning, I'm late, where are you? I'm sleeping. And then she's like, I need coffee. I was like, coffee's there. It's, I told you, it's the rare Kenyan coffee beans. Delicious. Then she's like, where's the milk? I don't drink milk in here. Sugar? No, I knew you'd be too healthy to have that here. <laughs> she had to go all the way home, get her milk. But watch that game, it was incredible. And it was like gut-wrenching. And it was going into like overtime, I was going back and forth. Went to penalty kicks. And then mom, she wakes up from her nap. So I just prayed to St. Anthony. And then the Swedish captain comes walking up, and I was like, if she scores, that's it. Sweden wins, and we lose. Goes over the net. And then Canada comes up, and he said, we need to win, the, we need to score to win the gold medal, the first ever gold medal by women's soccer. Canada. And they say, it's Julia Grosso. She's 20 years old, and she's from Vancouver. And we know her. We know her family. So, and it all happened so quick. She just went up and kicked it in, and we win the gold medal. And I said, it's someone from Vancouver. It's someone from Vancouver. And then Fern's jumping up and down, and she's crying uncontrollably. It was healing. We healed when Julia Grasso from Vancouver won us the gold medal. I was a matriarch. I could celebrate Canada again as an indigenous man. I could wear my Canada jersey. It was dusty. <laughs> <laughs> but I could wear it again. <laughs> man, it was so dusty. You don't understand how dusty it was. I don't know if that's COVID. You better throw that mic out. It's not COVID safe. <laughs> and then, yeah, you heard us honking. Went in Fern's brand new blue truck. Mom was in there. 
My cousin was in there. And we were celebrating Canada again. Because our communities were divided. And we couldn't celebrate it in an authentic way. That's why I want to do a big annual sporting event with our school district every year. Through That's true reconciliation. And we're going to share that story about Julia Grosso from Vancouver winning us the gold medal. That could have been her granddaughter who scored that goal, same age. Could have been her granddaughter. And we didn't have enough money. And we were literally just trying to survive. Danessa was just trying to survive. And she did. Her father did. Her son. But it could have been her granddaughter. But it wasn't. But we're still happy that we could celebrate Canada. And when we went by your house, we, I made sure to honk louder. <laughs> Excellent. I know your daughter's like, ooh, horns. Yeah, we, we had been up since long before five at that point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, I loved being in Fern's truck because I said, I kept yelling out, I love a good midlife crisis truck. <laughs> it was a beautiful, big old, beautiful blue truck. It was so much fun. So when you speak about unity, one heart, one mind, I'll never forget that. And I hope your daughter doesn't forget those honks either. That's from Uncle Luke. <laughs> so I think we'll end it there. Does you want to add anything, Mama? No, like I said, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me Sunday at church. I was brought up as a Roman Catholic. I still pray as a Roman Catholic. It doesn't hurt to thank God for your life. It's halfway decent. I pray for people. I used to tell my children when people were prejudiced to them, just consider the course, the people that are being mean to you. Pray for them because they don't know any better. It's true, and prayer does, have, does work. I prayed for the saint and he brought our winnings for our soccer. Yay, women. <laughs> we can do it, can't we? Mm. Thank you once again. Thank you, Luke. I love you. I love you too. I know, and uh, during community talk, community chat yesterday, Ruben came up with his daughter, introduced it to Mama, and I think they were talking about a Walt Disney movie. I don't know, is it Moana? Mm -hmm. You would probably know that. Do you have the Disney Channel? I didn't think so, I just wanted to double check. <laughs> so they're talking about, it. he was explaining to her what a chief was. 
and she wanted to know if she could be a chief. I said, absolutely, and look at Chief Marilyn. She'd been chief since 1994. She's still chief. And then there was Reuben telling his daughter, don't let anyone tell you anything less. I know, that's what I love about being in a grade six class. Teachings of the matriarch and teachings about First Nations community is all foreign to them. And they said, that doesn't exist. I said, that doesn't exist, that's foreign. I'm right here. Mama's right here. Teachings that go back 20,000 years. We used to number in the thousands and thousands. The lowest ever re we ever reached was 60. Now we're at a little more than 300. We had to put an elder to rest yesterday too. Because her kidneys were not well. She held on as long as she could. But it shows you that we know our ways and we know how to honor those we love. And that's what others need to remember. Knowledge keepers, survivors, still teaching at 79. And how much people love and care and the sense of joy, of happiness and unity of one heart and one mind. It's simple. I didn't read from a book. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. But that's, that's your guide, that's your balance and focus. You would go to that when you need your help. That's what we go to for our laws. That's when we're feeling unbalanced or unfocused or confused. We go to our laws and we keep it simple. Or we go to our elders. That's what happiness is. Thank you. Well, thanks for the two of you for willing to come and share. And I think whenever we decide uh, to come out and have these conversations, um, I know that people are interested in learning, sometimes information. And there's usually a point about 25 minutes into our discussions where we go, information's fine, but really this is just about sitting together and healing, really and being willing to come and spend the time to sit together and to listen. So um, thank you for coming and sharing the time and listening. And it's a real joy for this space and for us to be present after something like eight years where the two of you haven't been able to do this kind of work together and you're getting to do it again. So we're just really happy. Uh, and happiness is a great law to celebrate today as you get yeah. to do this together and to celebrate 100 pounds, which is fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> 
we're gonna we're gonna open for a few questions for those of us that that have them. Um, but uh, maybe I'll kick it off, and uh, and we'll go from and we'll go from there. Um, the the law of happiness, when we talk about that cultural tradition of happiness, if we go down to Indigo, the book slash candle store in Langley, you could find... I got good blankets there, too. <laughs> got blankets there, good yeah. Good socks. Yeah, it's not a bookstore anymore, right? Um, well, it's not, yeah, it's a hipster store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, they got nice coffee there. You find whole swaths of sections on happiness, and it's do this or do that, and it feels um, gimmicky. And yet when we talk about happiness, we talk about um, the teachings of happiness from the Kwantlen culture, um, it feels much more rooted in stuff that feels like it matters. And one of the reasons that we're here together today and that mom is here is because we want to talk about happiness and elders. And can you share a little bit about the connections that you've seen in your community between happiness and celebrating elders and celebrating babies as well, because that's a big part of, of the tradition um, and what that means for you and how that's brought happiness. There's cheap tricks, right, on shelves, but can you talk about some of the rootedness that comes from celebrating elders and, and how happiness is connected to that? I know there is a, at a school I work at, there's, a late, there's people with like a lot of good intentions, a lot of great intentions that are still learning but yet know nothing about culture. And they sent me an email, and it was like a PowerPoint. And it was like, wow. I could tell it was like copy and pasted. And it was like in point form, and just like a brief sentence about this person. Well, this person's a hero. And why, why didn't he know he was Métis until just a few years ago? Why did he have to hide that? Or why was it hidden? Why was he on a secret path and now his family's on a sacred path? It's because elders and other communities had to work hard to show that being proud of who you are and what your name is is okay. We're trying to find your way home. As hard as that is. And when you talk about writing, it's a it's hard to, you know, I think passion and survival is a gift of writing or a gift of storytelling. You do it because you need to survive. Not because you're there to make money. That's what my brother did. My brother taught himself how to write. Because he was fighting every single day. We were fighting every single day here in Fort Langley too. Fist fighting. Name calling. Battling alcoholism and drugs. It was hard work. But we would go to our gifts. You talk about babies. In our 
when I think of babies, I think of people who, what you would be called a born-again Christian or being baptized through living waters. That's healing. When we do our winter dance, which is a very personal experience, it's like rehabilitation in a hospital. You don't want someone up on your bed asking you questions about your culture when you're there just trying to overcome alcoholism or anger or violence or drugs and it's leaving your body. That's what a baby is to us. Learning how to relive our life from the beginning so that we can enter society back in. And we've been doing that since time immemorial. When we would do the longhouse, the teaching used to be is that you would stay in there from November and then you wouldn't come out until you would heard the, the words, Quaquilis, Quaquilis, which means uh, spring is here. It's like, you know when spring arrives and it's a beautiful, hot, sunny day, and you're just happy that spring is here. It's not quite spring, it's not quite summer, it's Quaquilis. It's that beautiful moment in between where spring is finally here and you can heal. That's when you leave the longhouse. That's when you be no longer a baby. That's when you survived through passion of your culture learning how to eat, learning how to dance, learning how to drum, learning how to carve, and just learning to wait for that song to come to your mind so that you can share it on the floor or on a stage. That's what a baby is to us. And that sounds authentic. And you have to really understand culture, you have to experience it, to go through the extreme hardships and back, to be happy. And you won't find that on any bookshelf. You can search and search and search. You never hear a story or a song from an elder. You wish you can hear that song. And when you hear it, you just pray to the Lord that he'll, he or she will go around one more time, two more times. Please, let it be a third time. It's a third time. And you're just there crying. That's what a baby is, a baby dancer. And they do it just to show mom that they can. And Ricky will be right beside her. Just to show that we know it. Our ancestors are here now. They're in the empty spots. Children are here too. Listening. So, 
when we would read from our We Are Kwatlin book, My Brother's a Poet, that made more sense than like a copy and paste or a bulletin form or someone rushing for a deadline. This person had no clue what they were talking about. I said, this person is a Canadian hero, and here you are talking about some Quebecois politics. What does that have to do with Terry Fox? That man's a hero. And this is how you want to write about him. And you're attaching your name to this. I said, don't copy and paste his culture. And uh, I said, don't make it so political, because it doesn't have to be political. But they still, and they said they struggled with making those slides. Because they didn't want to take on that pain. They weren't ready yet. That's what we're going to find on the 30th. A lot of people aren't going to be ready. That's okay. But we'll get through this together. Because we know we got great community guidance. And we're going to do it through food, humor, and hydration. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to open the floor to questions. Uh, we've got some time, and, uh, and the mic's there. So if you'd like to come and ask a question, please do. Uh, and if we don't have questions, that's okay, because we can dismiss when we like and speak one with each other just for a while as well. But we really want to make sure that if you have a question, you can ask it now. So anybody want to ask one? Now is the time. They've been so patient, they probably want to get home to their loved ones. <laughs> no, this is great. They could be shy. Are you guys shy? Mom, yeah. Mama wants to know. <laughs> Julie's like, yes, I am. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Thank you for being your authentic self. Yeah. Right on. Well, if that's the case, then we're going to wrap up for the evening. But maybe we could begin, or close rather, by, uh, by standing together. And, uh, you know, today is a special day, and it's worth celebrating, and it's worth being grateful and thankful. So I'm wondering if, Dave, if you would come and pray to close us tonight, and to pray also a blessing on this family that we love uh, so much. Oh, we have a question. It's not really a question. Yes. There's, there's no, uh, Chief Marilyn would say, if there was a book that we could give you, we would. But we can't. And that's part of the, the matriarch way. It's just experiencing it like this. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, can you yeah. jump up the mic just for the they podcast? Thanks, Bridget. for the podcast. Yeah. First of all, um, thank you for being here, and I was really touched by some of your words that you had to say, and I just had to ask a question to your mom. Mm -hmm. um, just through your life and being in residential school and growing up and just struggles that you've had, um, you know, with being in the military and being 
a Native woman and um, just raising a family through those hardships. What, are, what would be one thing that you would say that you depended on that really got you through those difficult times? And even today, like through the, the struggles that you face now with healing? I always had um, help from my family. My children and husband loved me very much. I always told my children, your dad did, didn't love me, he adored me. Aww. That's why I was able to hang on to him for 40 years. He, my dad loved mom so much, he was from the Wanabe Nation. He wanted to be a native. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. He didn't want to be a French Canadian. When you grow up in Montreal, you remember Greenfield Park? You remember Broussard? St. Lambert? You, you had to make a choice. Can't be both. Can't be French and English. It's chaos. <laughs> we need unity, Dave, unity in Quebec. So much division. No, he loved mom so much. He wanted to be like, he loved her like when he passed away at his, uh, and then the day of his funeral, there was like people who came to work, uh, his, from his work to be part of the funeral and they were like, oh, there's the chief. Like, chief? Yeah, he made us all call him chief at work. <laughs> and he wanted, he was so desperate for Marilyn to adopt him. He wanted to be adopted into Kwatlin, but his health, he wasn't able to make it over here. So I know Marilyn's like, oh, my heart's broken. Yeah, so we're just over talking to my uncle about dad and his mom and how her brother would come to Montreal to see her or Ottawa to see her on the military bases because he was having hardships in Fort Langley, Uncle Natch. And then just like how he loves Cheryl so much, it's like perfect, it's perfect. It's what perfect love is. She would always buy him a plane ticket. It's time to go see your sister. You need to go see your sister now. He said, oh, okay. He'd be so happy and then we'd go. Yeah, he would go to the Montreal games. He was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan. And I was at his house yesterday. And he would, all the kids, all the Kwantlen youth were like, Uncle, where'd you go? Oh, I was in Montreal. Get out of here, you weren't in Montreal. Yeah, I was visiting my sister. Your sister lives in Montreal? Yeah, I went to the Canadians game too. You didn't go to no Canadians game, get out of here. Yeah, I saw St. Louis and then Pittsburgh. And I still remember him coming home, when I was like, I don't know, I was like 10 years old. He would come home and he'd have like $500 worth of merchandise. In 1994, that's a lot of money. When he would be so happy and he had to get everything for people here on Glover Road and Gabriel Lane. 
And I still remember he bought me the, I told him this story yesterday, he bought me a Stefan Riche hat. It was like bright fluorescent, green fluorescent, because everyone wanted to be like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> remember those days? The Jordans and the green, yeah, everyone wanted bright fluorescent green, so he bought me a Stefan Riche hat, and I love this so much. Because her brother gave it to me, my favorite uncle. Her father, and I wore it out, but then I was so upset because it was faded, and I wanted the numbers to be seen, 44. So mom went to the store and bought me this like red felt, and I tried to put it out, just like, I don't know, and it was like, looked terrible, but it meant so much to me. And I told him, yeah, it was so chunky, and no one, I could no longer see the 44, and I was so upset. I was so happy, because he gave me that hat. So, yeah, it was her family. Community guidance. And my dad, yeah, they literally, to death did them part, 44 years. And then she was like, Everyone's teasing her, are you going to get remarried? And she's like, no, only if he's got lots of money or he's close to being dead. That's the only way it's going to work <laughs> for Mama. <laughs> I just had one other question. Yeah, go for it. Um, how old is your mom? Or how old are you? 79. 79, wow. And I just had a, uh, another question about uh, the time uh, that you were in residential school. How, how many years did you spend in the different schools that you were in? Nine school years. Nine school years. And how old were you when you first went into residential school? I was seven years old. Wow. Yeah, that's... And, and how many of... Um, you said you had sisters and brothers that spent time? I had... There were 16 children that survived all my children. Wow. There was 10 of us in my school. So those, those are all your siblings? Like you yes. had... Wow. Incredible. Her mom was the same height, same statue, same weight. The picture I posted on Facebook, her sister, like the exact same height. And her sister would talk about how her mom would come home from the doctor, celebrating, screaming, and dancing. Ma, why are you screaming? Why are you dancing? Why are you so happy? I reached 100 pounds. Her mom, that was her mom. And same with Auntie Mary, her sister. Her house is right beside mine. She spent, Marilyn told me the story about how her sister spent a week, seven days, walking in Fort Langley and Kwantlen with a broken hip. Same size. I remember they were at the doctor and Marilyn went up, the doctor went up to Marilyn and said, so what are we going to do about Mary's hip? What do you mean? It's shattered. Completely shattered. It is. It just shows you how tough and resilient our elders are. Mum is, Mary. 
to survive. But her sister spent seven years in the hospital with tuberculosis. That's what I tell. Imagine someone in your family spending seven years in the hospital with COVID, let alone 10 days, two weeks, a week. That's where you really got to measure what is happiness to you? What, what does it mean? What does life mean to you? It's different to say that you're here and you survived. Let's throw your family. A lot of people lack in community guidance. A lot of people lack in family. A lot of people lack in love. We had to learn to love for the first time. But we had, when the Truth and Reconciliation started in 08, used to be all these doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and people with acronyms and abbreviations. I have no clue what they mean. Yeah, and they were just taken back by all the community guidance and community love. And men willing to speak about their hardships and trauma and wanting to break the silence. That was unheard of. Or listening to women and their mother saying for the first time at the age of 60, I love you. 60 years. That happened during Truth and Reconciliation. Because they didn't know how to say it. They felt it was like a burden. It was a burden on their shoulders. They weren't able to celebrate or love or hug. That's why mom, every time I leave, mom always got to say, I love you. Be careful. Right, mama? And that was the love that my dad had for her, too. I don't dance with strangers. <laughs> That's great. Right by the milk machine in St. Jean's or Richelieu, Quebec. Think big. It is. And we're going to close with that smile because it's happiness today. Dave's going to come and pray. And I'm wondering, uh, please, we'd love for the two of you to remain seated just as a position of honor. And the rest of us, I'd love for us to stand <coughs> if we can. And if you happen to be a Christian today and you're here, you'll know that sometimes we have a tradition where if we pray for someone, we lay hands on them or we extend our hands to bless them. And I'm going to encourage you to extend your hand to bless these two as a family today as Dave comes to pray. So Dave, would you come and pray and extend your hands to bless our friends that are with us today? Yeah, God, there's, there's, there's times when we feel that we're in the right room. And uh, tonight we feel that we're in the right room with the right people. We have uh, followed our hearts into this room. 
uh, to be with the right people. And we thank you for a sense of your presence that is here, uh, reminding us of uh, your word that says that you're, you command a blessing uh, upon those that are united. And so as one of the themes that have risen tonight that we do carry in our hearts is this concern for unity. And we thank you uh, that tonight there's a sense of unity. And uh, we thank you that there are good things to gather around. And there's things to set aside, but there's things to gather around. And uh, we do uh, symbolically with our hands extended. Uh, we are thankful for relationship, human relationship, but we also thank you that uh, your hand is extended tonight from above uh, towards all of us. And it's a hand that represents grace and kindness and mercy and uh, a call to unity and a call to unite. And so we, we do uh, ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us continually along that good path towards love and good deeds. And thank you that we love in action and we are able to love in word. And so teach us uh, how to do both. And uh, we do pray for the Dandrant family. What a, what a good family that has blessed so many over the years. And uh, we thank you for the, the gracious way in which they uh, call us into community and call us into relationship. Uh, thank you for health. Thank you for 100 pounds. <laughs> and thank you for sustaining life. Uh, you are, we believe that you, uh, when you sustain life, you do so uh, with purpose and meaning. And so we believe that some of that is happening here tonight. And so we pray for long life. We pray for you would sustain life uh, and, and health and joy and happiness would be the center of that uh, sustained life. Uh, we thank you for uh, this coming week and all the conversations that potentially will arise even this Thursday. And we pray that um, the, the good intentions which would, some would have about this uh, week, uh, they'd come to pass through uh, simple, humble ways in which love can be understood and expressed. So thank you for each one of us who are here tonight. Uh, we sense your life and your love and uh, lead us along in a way that only you can um, because of our limitations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, too, again for joining us. Uh, please feel free to spend some time. I'm going to play some music because you say we need more music. And uh, we're going to listen to an artist. Yeah, okay, we'll book them. Yeah. Rick can hop on the drums right now and get going. But, <laughs> but we're going to play some music now, and you might not know this artist. This is an artist called William Prince. Uh, he's an indigenous man. Grew up on a reservation. Father was also a preacher, uh, and they're from uh, the Manitoba area. So then that's what you're going to hear the music as, as you go now. But please feel free to talk and say hi, and, uh, and we'll go from there. I think you two have a couple more minutes, but you'll probably have to get home relatively soon. But, yeah. We just want to thank you for the prayers uh, from everyone here. My mom wanted to know that she has Parkinson's. 
And um, every time I would leave the house, she would say, let them know that they need to pray for me. So the prayers do help. Continue doing that work. Continue being kind and calm and giving. I know uh, Luke and I would talk a lot. And uh, I always say that Living Waters has that gift of preaching but not preaching. And that's our, you know, teaching with not knowing that people are learning. That's a gift. Living Waters is a gift. And, uh, and he says, but what, what do I do? I'm a preacher. I said, just pray for us. Pray for us because it's worth. And Mama's so happy and proud uh, for that sustained life of of being here, of being a tireless runner, of you serving the communities. That's what the prayers do help, and she wants you to know that, so thank you. Yeah, indeed. So we say thank you for tonight.